Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Today, I welcome retired preacher, Tom Perry, currently serving as an elder with the Itawamba Christian Church in Fulton, Mississippi. Now, Tom, I don't know when we met, but it's been some time ago. I know that. And uh, I, uh, I was thinking this week that honestly, we've never had an opportunity to, to spend any time together and, and just, uh, as we say in the South, chew the fat and learn a little more about each other. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our visit today. Thank you. So, so Brother Tom, tell us your story. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. I'm glad to share a name with you. We're both Toms. Yeah. Spelled different, I believe. Yes, I spell mine T-H-O-M. Right. Uh, I was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, we left Tupelo when I was six years old because my dad enlisted at, at Lyme Christian College. And he and I both started to school the same year. Really? Oh yeah. And uh, he had been in the war. When he came home from the war, he was determined he was going to dedicate himself to full-time service. He had a ready-made profession waiting for him. My granddad owns, owned a, a dry cleaning business there in Tupelo and was ready to turn it over to dad, but dad had higher calling. So we moved to Atlanta. I spent my first two years there. And then uh, the president of the college there went to dad and said, I'm getting ready to leave to go to Eastern North Carolina to begin a new Bible college. And I would like for you to go with me. I need some men I can count on uh, to be good, solid, teachers and preachers. So dad agreed and spent his last two years as a student teacher wow. at, at Roanoke Bible College in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Now, how old would your dad have been then? He was, he was probably 30 to 35. Okay, and his name? Walker Perry. Walker Perry. Yeah, my granddad is active in, was active in Christian churches in, in Mississippi. His name was R.D. Perry. Uh, but we got to uh, Elizabeth City and uh, no building, no, no property for the college or anything. They rented that building and that was the college for the first two years. And then a purchase was made of a big old house uh, there in, in the, the residential part of town. And it grew from there to, oh, I can't tell you how many acres they own now. Uh, the college has been blessed. But Dad taught there the whole time I was in, in uh, school and high school and my first year of college, and then they moved to a located ministry. And it was only natural for me, growing up on a Bible college campus, uh, seeing my dad teach and preach on a regular basis, that I just wanted to follow in his footsteps. Sure. So 
I went to Christian service camp after my senior year, after my graduation from high school. And uh, of course the invitation is given at the end of Vespers at camp. And I went down and dedicated my life to full-time service. I've been involved in it ever since. I wonder how many thousands of men have done that in Christian service camp over the years. It has been a true blessing to, to ministry because yes, so sir. many young men have made that decision at camp. I was talking to someone recently who said they're putting service back into the Christian service camp where they're at because it seemed like our camps for a while got away from that. And I don't know when I first got involved in them, I was already a preacher because I didn't grow up in a Christian church. And I was amazed at how they were taught and encouraged to go into Christian ministry. And uh, I just thought I'd do that as an aside there, should throw that in. I've been a little bit concerned about the camp here because when we started it, it was going to be Sunshine Christian Camp. Now everybody just calls it Sunshine Camp. Uh, uh-huh. I really don't want to leave the name Christian out of it. Yes, sir. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there right now. So uh, I started a student ministry at the end of my freshman year in a small country church down at Gum Neck, North Carolina. Gum Neck, yes. North Carolina. Way that back sounds, in the sticks. That sounds like one maybe way back oh, in the yes, sticks. <laughs> yes, I preached there for a year, and uh, then the church at Bell Haven, North Carolina, asked me to come full-time. That was towards the end of my senior year, and so, as soon as I graduated from college, I moved on the field there. I was the first full-time preacher for that church. Yeah. Ministered there for four years. Uh, my dad, in the meantime, had moved to Tennessee, and he wanted me to come to Tennessee. So he, he called me and said, I've got two preaching appointments for you lined up over here. They're looking for a preacher. Uh, can you come over and preach? So I went preached a trial sermon. They hired me at uh, Emberville Church of Christ, which is just out of Irwin. I know where Irwin is. I have a revival in Irwin some time back. Yeah. So I preached there, and it was during that time that I met my wife. I met her at a preaching rally in Johnson City. She was bringing the special music, and I was having the devotions. And my dad was doing the preaching. So uh, I said to my mother, who was sitting there with me at the time, see that girl? I'm going to marry her. And sure enough, I did. How long did it take you to marry her? Our first date was December the 17th. And when did you see her at the rally? December the 17th. Oh, that was in... I think it was November the 7th. Well, it took March. you long enough, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I called her and asked if I could, if we could go out, and she said, no, call me back in a couple of weeks. And I found out afterwards that she was going steady with this guy, and she had to get rid of him before her mother would let us go Anyway, uh, we went out December the 7th. April the 7th, we were married. Oh, my God. I would never encourage young couples to move that quickly, but I never have regretted one moment that I did. She has been a true blessing to me all through the years. So uh, Dana went for a business meeting with the 
job she was working. I can't remember where she was going, but she flew. And it so happened that sitting next to her on the plane was Medford Jones. Uh, and he said to her, do you think Tom would like to move to another pulpit? And she said, I don't know. I'll ask him when I get home. He said, I have a church that is looking for a man like him in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's that's quite a change oh, from where yes, you've been. Yes. Where you grew up, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but it intrigued me, so I, th- I said, sure, we'll go up and talk with them. So they had me come. They put me up in the hilltop floor of the Hilton Hotel, right there at Three Rivers. Now the stadium's in that spot. Right. Uh, and a couple in the church took me around and showed me this, the sights of, of Pittsburgh. And Sunday I went to preach for them. They had had a building that had been purchased by the city in urban renewal. One of the old, grand old churches of of the city, but they sold it and got a million dollars for it. Yeah. So they bought a little piece of property and put an extremely modern church building on it. Spent the whole amount of money they had gotten for this building. It was a it was an auditorium and a fellowship hall and an office. That's all there was there. No parking. Oh my. Yeah. But it was, so we came and uh, I walked in, was amazed by this building. And Sunday morning, full house, uh, I thought, man, this is great. Young families and uh, a, a wide variation of age. So they offered me a great salary. So we agreed and we went, we moved to Pittsburgh. The first Sunday that I preached, I looked out over the audience and there was about 25 people there. I said, where's all the people? Oh, this is our regular congregation. Oh I said, all the people that were here for my trial. Oh, we went out and borrowed families from the other Christian churches. So you'd have a full house to preach to. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I was, I was like 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. And everybody else in the church was senior citizens. So we had our work cut out for us. I... I Asked them about what kind of program they had to reach out to others. You're, you're our program. Oh, my. So right across the street from the church building was this beautiful park that they had put in as a part of urban renewal. And I noticed standing there in the door looking out a lot of children playing in the park. I'd probably end up in jail today if I did what I did then, but I went and bought me a big bag of candy and came out and sat there on the park bench. Kids were playing around me, and I said, would you like some candy? Okay. So they came over and took candy, and uh, I said, where do y'all live? They pointed to areas down the, down the street, several blocks away that they lived. They just came there to play. And I said, uh, why don't y'all come to church sometime? Where do you preach? And I said, right across the street here. I've never been to church, most of them said to me. Hmm. So I did this for about three or four weeks. And just when I see them out playing, I'd go sit there on the bench and carry candy with me, and that just drew them in droves. So I said to them, all right, let's pick a Sunday that y'all are going to come. Let me come visit your mom and talk to her about 
that's okay. And then I'll pick you up and bring you to church. Well, I had six kids that wanted to do that. So I went and visited mom. No guys. It was all, it was all unwed mothers or single yeah. mothers. And I told them who I was and what I wanted to do. And she said, well, I'm not coming, but the children can go if they want to. So the first Sunday, I, I picked up six children and brought them to church. Well, you can imagine, children that have never been to church before. Oh, yeah. They were not quite as quiet and respectful as children that had grown up in church. So there was a little bit of talking, but I thought they did very well for their first week. So after church was over, one woman came up to me and said, what are these children doing here? I said, I, inv I invited them. I brought them. Well, don't do that again. Uh, they disrupted us, and we're afraid they'll mark on the walls or something during our new building. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, no, I'm not going to tell them that. So I brought them back the next Sunday, but they must have said something to the children because they wouldn't come back anymore. So I was distressed about this. What are we going to do? Sure. Uh, another thing about Pittsburgh, the churches in Pittsburgh that I really loved and that is every Monday morning, all the preachers in the Christian churches in the area, and there are 30 churches in Pittsburgh, would get together and have breakfast, and about half of them would go out and play golf. So uh, I went to the meeting, and uh, one of the other preachers there, Dale Coons is his name, he said, is there anybody here that knows anybody who's looking for a great church? Well, I didn't say anything to him, but afterwards I called him aside and I told him my situation. Uh, oh, one other thing about the church there. The same week that the kids came, one of our two elders had a heart attack and was in the hospital. The other elder went over to get the books because uh, the first elder was our treasurer. And he called me up and said, we need to talk. So I met him and he said... I hate to tell you, but we only have money to pay you for three more weeks. Now, we've been digging out of this fund that we have, uh, and we're, we're definitely not going to be able to reach your salary after that. Wow. So I thought, well, the best thing for the church is not to have to pay my salary. Yeah. So I was talking to Dale, and he said, let me call the church there in, in Ohio and see if they'd like to talk to you. I said, okay. He, two weeks later, he called me on Saturday night and said, there's going to be a pulpit committee from the church in Hubbard, Ohio, in your church tomorrow morning. Oh boy, that's, that, that's <laughs> good notice, isn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, so I said to Dana, let's go to the grocery store and uh, you cook so that we can bring them home with us. So sure enough, in the door walked these six men dressed in business suits. Well, it's a sign to a church, store. isn't it? Oh, Walked right in, sat down on the back row. Everybody rubbernecking to see who that was. And after the service, one of them came up to me and said, uh, introduced himself and said, we're from the Corner House Christian Church in Hubbard, Ohio. Uh, we'd like to talk to you after, after everyone leaves. Uh, he said, is there a good restaurant we can go to? And I said, you don't need to do that. Come home with us and uh, we'll, we'll provide your lunch for you. So my wife had cooked a roast and a full meal, and that seemed to impress them. They didn't know we, that we knew that they were coming. 
And they talked to me, and they must have liked what they heard. So they went back home and suggested that the church there call me for a trial sermon. Nobody had bothered to tell me the size of this church. So when I got there, it was a huge building, and there was about 300 people for worship that day. Oh my. Which was the largest crowd at that point in time I had ever preached to. You were still in your mid-twenties? Oh yes. Yeah. I was 25 years old. At, well, 27 years old at that point in time. And uh, so we preached. I preached on that. And then uh, they met with Dana and me. And we talked. And uh, they said, we'll be in touch. So we went home. Uh, kind of not knowing... What did it just happen? <laughs> uh, they called us and asked us to come. Uh, they had a parsonage, which was wonderful to us. And we went. And it was one of the best ministries I've ever had. We were there eight years. Is that, you said that was in? Hubbard, Ohio. That's it's a suburb of Youngstown. Okay, yeah. Uh, sent eight students to Bible as a result of my ministry. Some of them went while I was there, and others when they graduated. Uh, but I felt that was a positive. Sure. And uh, even one of our deacons said, I want to go to Bible college, married with two children. So I worked with him to get him in Bible college, and he's, he's done well. Now, we've been talking a lot on this program the last uh, few programs we've done about the need to recruit ministers. And Rock Salt Ministries is working hard at that. And, and uh, we, we've got to talk to young people and middle-aged people and even those who are at retirement age about the need for uh, preaching. Some of the best preachers right off the bat are men who are leaving a profession, who have a family, they're settled. Yes, sir. They don't have to go through that period of settling in. Right. So uh, they make great preachers. I, I agree with that very much. And they have life experience. Exactly. Which Bible college doesn't give you. You're right. And, and some of them have been elders or deacons, and they've, they understand the workings of the church and from the other side, and that helps a lot. You're right. So I, I had a great ministry there, but I had grown up in the South. The <laughs> South was in my blood. And I started hearing a voice from God with a southern accent saying, <laughs> come back down south. Talking so, about cornbread and black-eyed beans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we moved all the way to Florida, uh, a long ways, uh, to a little town in South Florida and had a good ministry there. Then came back to, let's see, where did I go from there? To uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Had a good ministry there, but it was a rather short ministry, and I didn't understand why, but I, I have come to understand that when God has something in mind for you, it may not be available right then, but He puts you somewhere else temporarily. Uh -huh. That's why I went to Pittsburgh for that short time, so I would be close to Ohio to have that good ministry. So I went from Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Uh, I had resigned the ministry there and did not have a place to go, so I was working in the secular job. And uh, I got a call from a guy in Rock Hill, South Carolina. That's just across the state line from Charlotte. He said, uh, we need somebody to fill in for us for a couple of weeks. Would you mind coming down and preach? I said, sure, I'll be glad to. So we went down the first Sunday. The, the group was just a small group, about 20 people, meeting in a rented room at the Ramada Inn. And uh, I preached, and they seemed to enjoy it. And uh, two or three of the families took us out to eat afterwards, peppered us with questions. After we left to go home, Dale said, why are they asking so many questions of us? I said, well, I don't know, but uh, they just liked us, I guess. So the next Sunday I went back and preached for them the second time, thinking my tour of duty there had been completed. And one of the men got up and said, Tom, would you, you and your wife step outside for a minute? We want to talk about you. We got outside and then said, why are they doing that? I said, because they're getting ready to hire us as their preacher. She said, you read them? I said, yes. <laughs> Came back in and they said, congratulations, we have hired you as our minister. <laughs> Not one word to me about salary or where we're going to live or anything like that. Oh my God. So we sat down with the men afterwards and talked and worked out everything we needed. And for the first six months, I drove back and forth from Charlotte. And they wanted us to live on the field. So we, we rented an apartment and moved to Rock Hill. And then later bought a house. But while we were meeting at Ramada Inn, they said to me, your first job is to find us a, a place of our own, a building. So I scoured the town. Hadn't had much success. And I was driving home from the hospital one day, uh, taking a street I had not been on before, and I passed by J.P. Stevens' plant was sitting there, and off to the side of it, on its own block was the original office building of J.P. Stevens. And it was sitting there empty. So I stopped and walked up and looked in the window. It was just an empty building sitting there. I thought to myself, this would make a great little church building. Great big city, whole city block sitting empty except for that building. Had a little parking lot beside it. Uh, huge oak trees all the way around it with, and sidewalk all the way around. So I went straight from there over to the new office building for J.P. Stevens, asked to speak to the head guy, and they took me in. And I introduced myself. I'm Tom Perry. I preach at First Christian Church here in Rock Hill. We're looking for property, and I happened to see your building and property there, and I wanted to ask you if J.P. Stevens would do donate it to us. He said, well, uh, that's not my call. That would have to come from the treasurer of the company in New York. But I'll be happy to give you his number, and I will give him a call in the meantime and tell him about our conversation. So he did, and I called him and told him what we wanted. We'd like to have J.P. Stevens donate that to our church. He said, let me check on it. I'll call you back within a couple of weeks. Two weeks later, he called me and said, 
I'm sorry, we cannot donate that building to you, but we would be happy to sell it to you. I said, how much do you want for $30,000. Oh my goodness. He, I said, you mean just the building? He said, no, the whole city block. Wow. I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's sold. But I have to go back to my elders and, and uh, get their approval. And he said, fine. I said, I'll call you within the week. So I went back and the next day was, no, two days was Sunday. And I called the elders and said, meet me early today. And they did. And I told them what had transpired. And they said, let's do it. So I told the people at church that day about what I had seen. I said, when the service is over, I want you to get in your car and follow me. And we're going to the property. And we're going to have a prayer meeting right there in front of this building. And that's what we did. And everybody who saw the building said, this would be perfect. It had a huge room, bigger, much bigger, twice the size of this classroom, that was now being used as a training facility. It had two restrooms, uh, mm. two, three classrooms, or, or rooms that could be used for classrooms, and a vault. Well, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it was it was a full-size bank door on this vault. Oh, my. And you open it up, and the vault was 30 feet long, uh, oh. full of papers. <laughs> uh, the guys, when they saw it for the first time, said, what are we going to do with this? I said, we'll find a use for it. Uh, we loaded up the paper and hauled it to Charlotte and sold the paper for $300. We bought the building. We had our first service in it on Mother's Day. A family that lived right across the street and had saw us meeting in front came to church that day. And about six other families that lived in the neighborhood, they had heard they had seen all of us out there working, getting the building ready and so forth. And word had passed through the neighborhood. So we started with a full house the first Sunday. Now, they were not all back the next Sunday, but some of them were. And some of them became members there. We stayed in that building until we outgrew it. And our elders got together and said, we got to build. We can't get any more people in this building than what we have. So we agreed that in two weeks, which was homecoming Sunday, we would announce our plans to build. So homecoming Sunday in two weeks, we announced our plans to build a new building just behind that building on the same property. Sitting in the audience was a young couple with two small children. He caught one of the elders afterwards and said, I want to talk to you. He said, I'm a contractor and I want to build this building for you at no, no cost to you other than materials. So we gave him the job and he soon was a member of the church and stayed, stayed as a member for years as a deacon and later went into the ministry. Wow, what a story. Uh, it's just amazing how God works things out. So you built your building right on that property? Yes. We, we 
built the new building right behind the old one, and then we tore down the old one. Well, now I do have a question. Did you ever come up with a use for that safe? We sold that safe door yeah. to, I think it was a bank that bought it. But we were afraid to use it when there were people in it because in sure. the back of this door was a tube of tear gas that was designed to go off if anybody tried to break in that thing. Oh, and man. we were we were told I talked to some people at the bank about about all of that, and they said if that goes off, you will not be able to meet in that building for six weeks. So rather than take any chances, we didn't use that vault. I used it personally. Uh, I kept a lot of my stuff in there and so forth. And then I had a, a, an office that I used there in the building also. Uh, but it was, it was just really amazing to see that door come down. It took a front end loader to get that door off the building. The walls of that vault were as wide as this table. Wow. That's, for those of you who can't see the table, <laughs> it's about two and a half feet wide. That's how mm -hmm. thick the walls were. So if we had ever had a tornado warning, that's where we would have gone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we built a nice building. It would seat about 250 people. Uh, and when we got ready to build the building, we went to the bank there in Rock Hill. Nobody wanted to loan us any money. We didn't have a whole lot other than the property. So I said to the guys, there is a man in our brotherhood whose business is loaning money to Christian churches. Are you aware, do you know who I'm talking about? Well, it was Talmadge Pace, I think, was one, and there was... Uh, no, that's not the guy. His uh, name has gone out of my head. Well, I know there were several. I knew several yeah. that, that did that. He was retired living in Florida, and uh, I saw on the program for the upcoming North American Christian Convention that he was a speaker. So, Leroy Trulock. So, uh, the church sent me to the North American to see him. Well, he flew in to Indianapolis, which is where the, the convention was that year. Somebody picked him up from the convention, took him straight to the convention hall. He came in, walked straight to the platform and spoke, walked back out the door. They took him back to the airport and he was gone. Oh, I did not get to see him there, but I did call him on the phone and we talked and I told him the whole story of what I've been telling you. He said... All right, I'll loan you the money. How much do you need? We said $150,000. Okay, I'll, I'll bring it when I come. I'm coming in three weeks. But here's what you need to do in that three weeks. You need to pay off the indebtedness you have on your current property. You need to have 10 additions to the church. <laughs> and you need to have $20,000 in the bank. Well, this was a group, well, we were running about 80 at that point in time. But we still owed 20000 on the building. And we were having additions pretty regularly, but 10 in three weeks, that was... I said to our elders, guys, we got to do some praying. And uh, 
We said the same thing to the congregation. We met all three of these fellows. So basically, you had to come up with forty thousand dollars because you had to pay off yes. your twenty thousand in debt, come up with another twenty thousand, exactly. and harder than all of that was finding eight people to reach for Christ. Exactly. Uh, you would think that would be harder than all that, but yes, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't get people because we don't ask. We don't well, ask them if they want to be a Christian. Of course, we made an issue to the whole congregation. Uh, this is what we got to do. So. I need you to go out and talk to your friends and neighbors and tell them about our church. Uh, if you know someone that needs Christ, bring them with them. And we put a strong emphasis on it, but not to the point that we were dragging anybody down the aisle. Right. We, we reached our goal. Hmm. So you got the loan, built the building. Yes. And then... Uh, Mr. Trulock called me back and said, now what I want you to do is go back to the bank, uh, tell them we have our building, we have this indebtedness, and we need to borrow the money to pay for it. And they'll loan it to you, he said. And he was right. The same banks that had turned us down before loaned us the money afterwards, and we paid him back. But he said, now I want you to pay me 12% interest. But don't send it to me, send it to this mission that I support. Okay, so that's what we did. And uh, then he said, don't, when, you, when you get the loan from the bank, don't send it to me. Send it to this mission in Africa that I support. Right. So he, in essence, gave us $150,000 uh, to give to his mission. Wow. Uh, what a man. What a man. Yeah. There are people like that all over. And uh, I know some of our listeners will think, well, I never found one. But uh, you know our ministry uh, wasn't, didn't go out and find one. He found us and uh, him and his wife. And that's what started Rock Solid Ministries. And I'd encourage, we have listeners all over the world. And I'd encourage if you have the funds and you're already giving to your local church, but you, you're thinking, what can I do? Find a missionary and fully support that missionary or support a, a church in this way that we just heard that this man did. But a lot of times I think people don't even realize that there are needs out there that they, that God has blessed them. And uh, I'm not begging you to do it. I'm just saying if you've been blessed and you're thinking I need to do something, well, think about these as an outlet to, to uh, bless the kingdom of God. There is now an organization that didn't exist at that point in time where you put money into it and it draws interest and you can take it out pretty much like a bank or savings loan works. And they take that money and send it to missionaries. Oh, okay. Or to build buildings or things of that nature. That is interesting. Uh, uh, if, if someone wants to know more about that, can they contact you? What yeah, I'll have to go back and... It's in the, it's advertised in the directory of the ministry. There okay. it was. As far as I know, it still is. But I can find the information. And if someone wants to contact you, maybe they could just write you as Tom Perry at care of Itawamba Christian Church. Sure. That and that will get to you. Well, now, how long were you at this church? I was there 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, after we built the building, let me tell you one thing about that church. The elders called me and said, we appreciate all that you did to make this happen. 
and we're sending you to the Holy Land. Wow. So uh, we had a couple in the church who worked for PTL, which was eight, ten miles from, right. our, from our location. His job was to go to the airport and pick up uh, their guest speakers and people coming in and then take them back. And he said, uh, he told our elders, I can get him into a trip to the Holy Land through PTL at a much reduced rate, half price in fact. So I went with that group. Uh, it was an interesting tour because there were people there from different religious persuasions, uh, but it was great. Uh, I would take anything for my trip to the Holy Land. And I would encourage anybody who had the opportunity to go to take it. The first thing that one of my elders said to me when I got back was, you know, I would love to go to the Holy Land, but I'm afraid to go over there with all the problems they're having. And I said to him, and he laughed about it when I said it, but he reminded me of it many times. I said to him, if I have to die, I can't think of any place I'd rather die where, than where Christ gave his life. So uh, that wouldn't keep me from going to the Holy Land. As one preacher I worked with here just recently was saying a lot during the revival, you can't threaten me with heaven. You know, <laughs> we were talking about the COVID and all the other stuff, and he said, you know, you just can't threaten me with heaven. Yeah, I and, and I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. So you were 10 years. How, how far into the ministry there, how many years were you in uh, before you bought the, the first property, and how long were you there, if you can remember, before you got that first building built? We bought the first property, let's see. I had been there a little under a year at that point in time, and we bought the property. Uh, we had no trouble getting the 30000 when we went to borrow that, because that, just the property alone was worth three times that. Sure. So uh, what, what prompted you to, to leave there? Well, after 10 years in a building, building a building, I felt I probably had accomplished all that I could could do there, and we moved across the state to Charleston. Mm -hmm. I had a friend there who preached there, and they decided they were going to start a new work out of that church. They sent their youth minister to start it, and it was across, across town, actually in Somerville. And when the time came to go, all the young people went with the new work. Oh. And the host, the senior minister there, took that as an indictment of his ministry and left. Mm -hmm. So they were looking for somebody. And somebody gave them my name and they contacted me and asked me if I was interested in preaching a trial sermon. And I went and this was immediately after Hugo had gone through. Oh. And that city was devastated. It was unreal how bad the damage was. Uh, so they they wanted me to come. Uh, my daughter didn't want to leave because she was a senior in high school there in Rocky Hill. She wanted to finish. So, and the parsonage was being occupied there in Charleston by a family that had been displaced from the hurricane. Hmm. So, uh, I went down I would go down on Tuesday 
and stay there until Sunday. And then Sunday night I would drive back to Rock Hill, which is across the state, and be home Sunday night and Monday, and about a half a day on Tuesday, and then drive back down on Tuesday. You did that her whole senior year? Yeah, this, this was halfway through the year. Oh, okay. This was in December. Uh, mm -hmm. So they started back in January, and that's when I was beginning my ministry there in Charleston. Uh, we loved Charleston. Charleston is a fantastic city. Uh, of all the places we've ever lived, as far as the city was concerned, Charleston is our favorite. We had it's a beautiful big, place. Yes. We held yeah. a revival with a church somewhere outside of Charleston. I can't even tell you where it was. Uh, the church is gone now. Uh, but really enjoyed the Charleston area and the people yes. of the church. They treated us great there. Charleston in the church there, it, Charleston was really a military town, still is to some degree because of the base there, which means a lot of people we had in the church were working at the base. So it was a constant, you run as fast as you could run to stay even. Families were moving out and people were coming in. Right. So we had a lot of additions there, and yet when I left, the church was the same size because the military families would move, and, mm -hmm. uh, and somebody was talking about how sad that was, and I said, no, don't think of it that way. Think of them as missionaries that we are sending out to other places that we've had an impact and an influence on them, and now they can go... That's what else. I've always thought about military churches. Then yeah. the church scattered. Exactly. And that's, yes. yes, you had a chance to train them and spend time teaching and then sent them out. But it's not as bad there now as it was when we were there because the base, I don't even know if there's any part of the base still there or not. But it was, it was interesting to drive over to the Ashley River and watch submarines go uh, yeah. cruising down. Uh, of the, the bay there into the, into the base. Uh, had a good ministry there. We left there because Nana's mother had come down with Alzheimer's in East Tennessee. And it was more than her dad could handle. Yeah. So we moved back to East Tennessee and uh, stayed there as long as her mother was alive. And did you minister when you back I did, to uh, was was at the Union Church of Christ there. Okay. Yeah, just in, outside of Jonesboro. Okay. Ministered there. And uh, let's see, where did I, what happened then? After her mother died, Dan said, it's time to get back in the Lord's work. So uh, I talked to a church. I talked to a friend, I'm trying to remember that, that's been so many years ago. I talked to a friend who lived in Mississippi and, and he said, we have a new work in Pearl that you might be interested in. The man who was preaching there, he started the church and now he has moved to Florida. So he gave me the number and I called and they said, come. So we went down and uh, 
We loved the situation. Church was meeting in a storefront, just a small building. Uh, just outside of Jackson. Yes, Pearl is a suburb of Jackson. And we were there for seven years. Moved my mom down after my dad died. Dad, that was one reason we wanted to go back to Mississippi. His mother was, my dad, mother, and dad were living in Corinth. And after he died, she moved to Tupelo. Now, was he still ministering? He had retired. He was. He had had a stroke and was really not able to preach. He did some fill-ins. And where was his his last ministry? He preached at Oak Hill in Corinth. Okay, that's what I wanted to get out on that because oh, I knew okay. I, I met your dad years okay, ago. Yes, yeah. and and uh, I'm sure I I met your mother then too, and I think I've I had seen her since then, but it's been. You know, it was it was a long, long time ago when I was in Tennessee. But uh, your dad was in, he was in Corinth for a lot of years, wasn't he? He was there probably 20 years. He didn't preach that many years there. He retired probably four or five years before he died. I, I am thinking Beth and I met him when we were first married. He was at the, at the Oak Hill Church, and we went out to visit. Uh, and when the short time we lived in Tennessee and we went out to visit and enjoyed uh, meeting him. And I think he had a class just for us and taught us. Okay. That. And I, well, I'm pretty sure that was, that was him. And I wanted to get that out about, about your dad, but he had to come down twice to hold revivals there at, the, at his church. And so we got to know the people there and met a young fellow there uh, that has since become very important to us. Uh, he, he was in Pearl when we went to Pearl because he was the mascot for the baseball team there in Jackson. Really? Yeah. Uh, and his name is just totally gone out of my head. You know, that, you know who he is. He's yeah. preaching at Oak Hill. Yeah, Frank Williams. Frank, yes. I did Frank not know he was a mascot. That's something yeah. I'll... That's a well, little you know outgoing personality. He yes. Had. This was shortly after he had gotten out of school. And so I put him on as our youth minister there at, at Pearl, and he loved it and did a great job with it. He was always late. That was Frank's middle name, that he's the late <laughs> Frank Williams. Uh, so what I'm not started, arguing with you. What you know, we started but... <laughs> doing was we would announce our time to the congregation, and then when Frank took the youth back to the back, I said, now that Frank is gone with the youth, I'm going to tell you the real time we start. <laughs> uh, we, we gave about a 15-minute age there so that he would be on time. Well, Frank, for our listeners, uh, look back, and I'm going to start carrying the uh, list of my podcast so I have the numbers from him, but Frank has been interviewed on this podcast, and it was a very good interview in one way, but it was the worst we've done in another because... It was in a classroom at Oak Hill, and the acoustics were terrible. But I encourage you to go back and find Frank Williams and listen to it because it was a very good interview. Now you just have to kind of get through a little bit of bad acoustics in that. I love that boy. He's just on fire for the Lord. Uh, he he never meets a stranger. No, he doesn't. He's he's just a fantastic guy. And and growing up a fine family too. Yes. Fine family boys. Uh, he's got two boys. One is already in military school, and the other one is getting ready to go. I guess he's there now. Uh, 
that's that's got to be uh, daunting to think about two sons. I know, I know. Well, you know, that's a, as an aside to this. I I knew. In fact, I think it was Beth told me. You know, Tom, brother Tom was at at Pearl, and I guess somewhere back in in my file drawer in my head, I knew that. But uh, early on in this ministry, we held a revival in Pearl, probably about 2005, mm -hmm. and, and I haven't been back. Uh, uh, so, but I, I know what you're talking about, the area is a really nice area, yeah. Yeah, it sure is. So you were how long at Pearl? I was there five years. Five years. Yeah. And where did, what? After that, well, while I was there, I got a call from the church that I had served as a student minister in Eastern North Carolina. They wanted me to come hold a revival. I said, okay. So we went. When I got there, uh, I was saying, is Kent still your minister? Because he wasn't there the first night. And they said, no, he's moved on. He's preaching in another church. And I said, well, who's preaching now? We don't have a preacher now. Mm. And with a smile on their face, <laughs> I said, thought to myself, oh, oh, I know where, where this is going. So I held a revival. We had good crowds every night. Except Friday night, we, just, we closed out on Thursday night because it was supposed to go through Saturday night. And the reason is because a hurricane was bearing down and they knew there would be nobody there on Friday night anyway. So they said, we don't want you here and all of this, so you just go on back and get ahead of it. And it's a good thing they did. We left early Thursday morning, and we were in rain so hard you couldn't see 10, 20 feet in front mm. of you, uh, all, all the way to uh, Raleigh. And it then started slacking off, and we got home okay. But the last night I was there, they said, you can't leave until we talk to you. They said, we want you back here. We need you here. Well, I, being in Pearl, it was all, mostly older families. We didn't have any really little children. And for that revival meeting, it was all these children running around, and I thought, man, I miss this. Oh, I love children. So when they said come, uh, that struck a responsive note in my, in my head. And uh, we decided we would go back. And that was the ministry that I held right after I got out of college. Right. Uh, at at Bellhaven, uh, North Carolina. So how long were you at Bellhaven this second time? The second time I was there, nine years, which would mean altogether there was like 12 years there. Well, I'm, 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 there's, there's more to cover here, and I want to cover it. Our time is... We got about nine or eight or nine minutes left here. Okay. Uh, time goes in a hurry, but uh, I want to get this in. So, how many years total have were were you in preaching ministry? I have been preaching. I started my preaching sixty-two years ago. Sixty-two years. At eighteen, I started my student ministry. Yeah, that's how old I was. And. Uh, well, that's, I, I just wanted to get that in in case I missed that before we got done. Now, go on from, from there to, to, to where? Well, it was a great ministry. Um, I kind of drove the church out of the 50s. All the churches in Eastern Carolina, or at least a lot of them, 
are still clinging to the old ways of doing things. So I said to the men, if I'm coming, there's going to be two or three changes. I'm going to make one up front. I preach out of the New International instead of King James now. Okay. Uh, I'd like for us to uh, start blending our music instead of just the old hymns. Okay. Uh, and everything that I asked them to do, they agreed to. And so we made that transition pretty easily. And they hired a youth minister right after I left who came in and from the college, which was 80 miles away there at right. Bible College, which, by the way, is not Roanoke Bible College anymore. It is now Mid-South Christian University. Right. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. After I'd been there for about eight years, I got a call from friends in Mississippi, preachers in Mississippi, who said, we got a church in Tupelo that's open. We'd sure like to see you back in Mississippi. Dana was driving 60 miles one way to work when we lived there in uh, mm. eastern North Carolina. And I wanted to get her out of that situation. Right. So the church at Verona, uh, I, I called them and they said, we want you to come preach a trial sermon. And I came and they hired me and I moved my whole clan my daughter and her four children and my sister and my oh my all of us came. What year did you move to Verona? Uh, what year was it? 20, 2006. It's probably 2006. Maybe about the time I met you was a long time. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. We were already in this traveling ministry then. Right. So, okay, go um, ahead uh, with Verona. Yeah. Uh, I was there until 2013 and the church there we were holding our own but the neighborhood that church is in was really getting bad we were broken into an apartment three times while mm. I was there uh, the older women were afraid to come out we talked about moving to another part of town they were, couldn't get the majority of the people to go along with that. So the elder said to me, you probably need to think about going somewhere else because we don't want you to ride this church down to the ground. And that's where it's headed. Yeah. Which it did. And which is a shame. People sometimes, they because they don't want to leave a building, they, they say, I'd rather, I'd rather the church die yeah. than go somewhere where it can be vital. And, and that's exactly what happened there. Yes, it is. It uh, is. After I left and went to t back to Tennessee, uh, an interim guy came in and he preached for them for, I think, five years. And they closed their doors. So when you went to Tennessee, where did you go? I went to Linden. Linden, Tennessee. Right. First, uh, first Christian in London? Yes. That's what I thought. Uh, I was just leaving the building this morning and, and uh, Ryan came up to me and said, where did you know Tim? And I said, he was preaching, Tim York, he was Tim preaching York. across town there in Linden. We, we were there. And he said, I didn't know you knew Tim. They were buddies. Uh, we were there five years, I believe. Uh, I was reaching the place where I was already beginning to think about retiring. 
I have known too many preachers in my life who just wouldn't give up. Mm -hmm. And they preached past when they should have given it up. And as a result, the church suffered. And I did not want that to happen to me. Well, if you if you give up preaching and you're still active, we're sitting here in your Sunday school classroom at Itawamba Christian Church. Yes. So you, you didn't give up ministry. You gave up paid ministry uh, or what do they call vocational ministry. I don't like that term, but to, to do... To, and now you're serving as an elder, a new elder here at the church. Yeah, but to my sadness, I'm not preaching. Right. Uh, I've never done anything in my life that I enjoyed more than preaching the gospel. Would you still, if a church in the area said, would you fill in for us a few weeks? I would love to would fill in or even find a, a weekend ministry. We've bought our house here and probably would not want to sell it. It's a good area to retire. But uh, it sure is. Yes, I would love to be. Well, there are those that come open every once in a while in this area. There are not many Christian churches in the state of Mississippi, as you know, but but, uh, almost all of them are in this part of the state. And uh, there are a few small ones that are not too far from here that uh, I've thought myself if I ever do. And I'm at that point... Uh, you, you just gave me a little chastisement there because I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, Beth says she won't ride. She won't ride to revivals with me after I'm 80. She says you have to have a driver. Well, you're still healthy and yes. articulate. There's no reason for you to hang it up at this this stage of your ministry. Well, I I, I hope not to, and and uh, I, I hope that Beth will be. Uh, open enough with me to tell me when she says you're just not cutting it anymore and that I'll trust her like I always have and know that she's smart uh, for me. Well, cutting the driving part. I was able to squeeze out because we moved to Kingsport after I retired and attended First Christian Church there and the preacher said, oh, I'm so glad you're here because I'm wanting to do some traveling. I got somebody to fill in for me. So about one Sunday out of every month, I preached. Well, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And he had the opportunity to travel, and we had the opportunity to help. Well, I don't see traveling, you know, brother. I, I have run across preachers in their 90s that are still preaching yeah. and doing whether well, health is good. And, of course, they've got more. that They know more than, than I ever hoped to know and doing a great job. And if the Lord gives me health, I hope to continue, like you want to do, to continue to do some preaching. Right. And uh, right now, I'm not that point to even, I mean, we're we're booked so far out. We're booked until I'm 70 already. So well, uh, we've there, got to think, keep it in mind. There have been times that I regretted retiring. I feel like I'm not as much of a value to the Lord now as I was then, but... Uh, you just don't want to give up. That's the whole thing. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, if I had the opportunity to to fill in or to preach when a, ch- a preacher's away or whatever, I would love to do that. Well, our time is just about up. I mean, I, I would love to talk to you. Probably could for another hour because just to get into the wisdom of years and experiences. But hearing your story of moving around, this is what preachers do a lot. And now some fellows go and they stay for their entire life at one place. But uh, I've always been one of those that has moved until I got into this ministry. And I'm still moving. I'm just, I just got have a house in the same location. Right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we conclude our time together? I took as my motto, 
did several ministries back out of the book of Ephesians, preaching the truth in love. That's, that's on the bottom of my stationery. That's been my motto all through the years, and I would like to think that those two aspects are what I'm doing, preaching the truth in love. Uh, I know that in serving as a Sunday school teacher and as an elder, that you'll be doing that in the love of Christ as well. And uh, I, I feel like, having known you a little bit and now knowing you a lot better, that Itawamba Christian Church is, is, is better for having you as a part of their eldership now and will help to lead it forward because you have the experience that can help in so well, many ways. We have been blessed by being here. Uh, Tony's a great man. Yes. Uh, the people here have welcomed us. We're just thankful to be here. Well, uh, I always say it's like many, I'm like many Pearl, just mighty proud to be here, you know, <laughs> happy to do it. Well, uh, listeners, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And our time is up. So until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.